for October 10th, 2011, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 171, First World Problems. To the Overthinking It Podcast, where we, the two of us, subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'm Matthew Rather, and I'm joined by Mark Lee for this very special two-hander episode. Mark, the question of the week that I have for you is, where is everybody? Where where, where is everybody? I don't know. Where are you guys? It's awful lonely in here. I'm really frightened. (laughs) Yep, oh. uh, but we're bringing, you, we're bringing you a solid hour of pop culture analysis, just Rather and Lee, together at last, the reunion tour. Oh boy, we've this is going to be interesting. We've done, a, we've done a three-hander. I don't know if we've done a two-hander. Have we ever done that? We did a special Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles supplemental editions, but never an actual regular edition of Overthinking I the Podcast. Stokes came on that one. One of them we definitely did it was just two of us. Just I liked, the, the, I liked that show. That was a good show. And that's Solid the level, show. and that's the level of, of deep pop culture <laughs> you can expect when there's just two of us. No, yeah. overthinking okay. it, overthinking it like benefits from more, you know, I don't know, from more energy. It's sort of exponential. The more right, like the quality of the podcast. That'd yeah. be funny. We should we should open them up to individual star ratings on the episodes from the listeners, and then we could like do things like graph. Uh, oh, all kinds of things. We could just graph everything against everything and see what correlates yeah. in a way that we found po- interesting. Podcast sabermetrics. You know, we right. can go beyond sort of just saying, you know, this guy's got a good body and a good swing and a good personality. Figure out what really uh, drives podcast downloads, which is uh, getting on base, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, fortunately, none of us has an ugly girlfriend, you know, which apparently we <laughs> learned in the traditional in the traditional uh, baseball scouting we learned in uh, in Moneyball in the traditional baseball scouting. Uh, uh, what uh, parlance? Right. Means uh, that a guy lacks confidence, a, a potential baseball right. player, a potential team member lacks confidence because he has uh, an ugly girlfriend. By the way, we're not saying that just, you know, because there are girlfriends. We're saying that because they're all actually pretty freaking hot. Yeah. I mean. Right, Matt. Oh, am I right? It's true. Yeah, but you know, I should answer the question. There's no way. There's no way, uh, really, to answer the question that you ask, Mark, without like devolving into something that is either really offensive or you know, really alienating to you know to people I love dearly. So let's uh, let's push. No, no, I got a joke. I got to say, I was going to say that they must be down on Wall Street. You know, part of the uh, the protest, the Occupy Wall Street protest. Right. Except then I realized that we're elitist bastards. We're in the 1%. We're not part of the 99%. Well, we so that's are... clearly where they are. I think most of America is in the 1%, honestly. I, you know... <laughs> can you, can you, uh, can you de- unpack that for a second? Globally, yeah, let me tell you something about a movie that I saw recently on uh, Netflix Instant Streaming. And I think, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Netflix Instant Streaming <laughs> was later. It, was it fairly legal? <laughs> no, it wasn't barely legal. The uh, two thousand, but we will talk about uh, barely legal. The two thousand eleven direct to video, um, uh, video uh, uh, you know, film. I mean, film is is probably stating it uh, 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 too grandly. Both because this movie never touched film. I'm I'm wagering, and uh, also because there are kind of artsy connotations still with the word film. So let's call it you know let's call it flick movie um and and we will get to that to uh, the 2011 monster piece uh, barely legal um i don't know why i called it a monster piece masterpiece seemed again kind of too inflated for it but no uh, i watched a movie called under pressure um have i mentioned this on the show yet i don't think i have the uh it's about the philadelphia this is one thing right we a couple weeks ago we were talking about how um how being an overthinker has changed our lives and uh, one one thing that it does uh, in that I mean in that sort of pretentious navel gazing that we t- Mark how has order pretential yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sort it's, of pretentious? It's, it's it was extremely pretentious you're right yes um, I, I'll say on a practical level one of the things that has changed my life is that I um I stockpile material you know <laughs> for, <laughs> for the site and like there's a finite number of hours in the day a finite amount of culture uh, that I consume. Though I read in I, I read a statistic uh, today that you know is probably wrong being a statistic that uh, your average teenager, your average American high school student consumes ten and a half hours of media between all all sort of forms of media, uh, except what, books. per day. Yes, per day. Day. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't even know where they get that. Where they get that? But uh, that's probably like a lot on the weekends, and it averages out into that. Huh. You know, I remember whole days uh, when I. I mean, I remember whole weeks when I was in high school watching like MTV Spring Break or something like that, <laughs> and not I, actually, not actually going the twenty blocks down to Santa Monica Beach where they one year shot MTV Spring Break, right? <laughs> like. Uh, not doing that, no. Oh, oh, oh. Sitting, you know, sitting on the floor uh, because we weren't allowed to sit on the couches growing up, and um, uh, because the couches were for company, and we might get food on them. So uh, sitting on the floor and watching MTV. But no, so I, I watched this this movie on Netflix, Instant Screaming, called uh, Screaming, Instant <laughs> Screaming, um, called uh, Under Pressure, and it's about a program, a culinary arts program, uh, in the city of Philadelphia, right? And mm-hmm. uh, so what they do is they have it's like like shop. I guess it would have been home ec, but it's it's more professional than than home ec. Uh, what might have been home ec traditionally? Uh, it's it's like wood shop or metal shop or auto shop or something like that, where it's it's essentially trade education for right. uh, the culinary industry. And so they're learning, you know, basic recipes, sort of certain French words for things like French cuts. They were like tourneying potatoes, which is a kind of cut where you create a little. Uh, a little obelisk of, of potato or carrot or, you know, what have you. Um, anyway, so there was a girl uh, uh, who was, it, it followed three students, and one of them was a girl who had come from Ghana uh, to the United States and was living in, in Philadelphia in a uh, sort of, in a very economically disadvantaged neighborhood without, you know, um, I don't know, without a lot of... Uh, Social services are without a lot of what we would consider kind of the benefits of of, uh, first world life, like a Starbucks on every corner or a Volvo in every garage or, you know, I don't know, what what are more like... Uh, you know, what are more sort a, of Bobo? A Dunkin', a Dunkin' Donuts on the corner? Not even it's that. Just like not tamp even it down. That, not, even, not even that. Um, and, you know, living in these, living in these conditions of, of pretty extreme poverty and you got into to people's ho- houses and they were making, they were making do... Um, but it, but it was tough, you know, and these people were sort of, uh, uh, victims of a sort of social and an economic system that, um, I don't want to say kept them down because that sounds like I'm making fun of it and, and trivializing it. I'm not. It, it actually kept them down. It was unworkable, uh, you know, for these people anyway. So, um, Part of the culinary competition uh, that all these students, these culinary arts students in Philadelphia compete for, um, part of their uh, culinary competition is um, an interview uh, that determines who's going to get what scholarships to culinary school because you, uh-huh. you get, uh, you're competing for money for college. And they range for a, like a full four-year scholarship to the Culinary Institute of America, um, you know, right, which is what maybe the premier cooking school in the country uh, – down to um, three, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars that you can apply towards your local community college culinary arts program. It was, I mean, it was really cool, actually, the way the the way the program was um, was implemented and the fact that they were kind of giving people a, a leg up in college. Anyway, so this girl from Ghana, in her interview, uh, in the interview portion of the competition that the cameras were allowed access to, um, said. Uh, she said, you know, I'm from Ghana, where I had to walk, um, <laughs> you know, 10 miles each way to school. And on some days, I had to do it twice because I had to come back for lunch and then go back to school uh, in the afternoon. That's, you know, 40 miles of, uh, of walking every day. Like, here I come and I get a bus token and I can just go. And they have school lunches for me. And they have um, all these things. And this person, it was very humbling. I mean, it made me feel, it made me feel about this big. You know, I'm holding my fingers a tiny distance apart. Um, you know, with me and all of my quote-unquote problems, all of my first world problems, to hear someone speak very appreciatively of, of uh, you know, a, what I consider a... a a meager existence. And in fact, I want my society to provide that, that girl growing up, especially her, because she's, she's like kicking ass with what she has. I want to provide her with a, a better existence on, uh, you know, a better existence on behalf of my society. But even, I mean, even poor 
very poor United States life, I think, compares quite favorably to, you know, certain, to conditions in certain parts of the world, which is not to trivialize the very real problems that, you know, the urban poor, the rural poor in the United States have, uh, only to kind of put it in a, in a larger context, you know, to say that our standard of living is, is high. So that we are, I mean, we're the top, you know? Okay, so the, most of us being in the 1%, uh, as opposed to the 99%, then is more like the 1% of the world, which uh, you're, you're probably right. You're at least the spirit of it, right? The numbers might not quite work out exactly that same way, but I definitely hear you on that. Yeah. Well, should we talk about other, should we talk about our other first world problems? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> my Wi-Fi keeps going out, Mark. I know. I can't get my router to stay on. I may have to go spend like $200 of my disposable income on a new router. I mean, can you believe the indignity that I face? And then after you buy that $200 router, you're going to have to like turn it off and turn it back on like every other day. Mark, I have to get on my hands and knees, my hands and knees and crawl like an animal under the (laughs) desk. To, you know, reach, and they're so tiny. They make them so tiny, the power adapters. And the wall warts on the the business end of the power adapters, they sometimes take up the space of two outlets, and I have to spend more of my disposable income buying two surge protectors because the wall warts are taking up too much space, and I can't fit everything in the outlets that I have available to me. FML, Mark. FML, and if that weren't FML enough, you know, Netflix has gone and raised its prices, and oh, what are, what else shall we complain about? Um, I gotta say, I gotta say, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I gotta say, like, A, it didn't surprise me at all. I thought they were gonna announce, like, closing the DVD business and, like, spinning it off into a separate thing, maybe, and, like, the thing that, that I guess has been said a little bit but people aren't concentrating on is maybe they're trying to sell one of those companies, you know? Like, Netflix maybe wants to get away from the, um, from the DVD business. For sure, yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do I think? So, I mean, we should backtrack a little bit here. This is... Kind of old news, but um, we haven't talked about it, and we're a bit of a lack of topics in general. So we're bringing this chestnut, digging this chestnut, chestnut back up, and it's probably of interest to our audience, many of whom are probably Netflix subscribers, right? Um, so this is a few weeks ago, right? Netflix um, sort of, in their, their weird way of apologizing for the price increases of a few months ago, announced that they were spinning off their DVD mailing business into the separate thing called Quickster. Which is a terrible name. I think everybody agrees with that. Yeah. Um, and like you know, just from every consumer perspective, nobody is really happy about this. Um, but you're right. I think they're sort of like trying to distance themselves from the DVD business and are uh, trying to concentrate more on the streaming business. So we should also co- connect this now with the other major piece of with the piece of news from this past week, right? Just the passing of Steve Jobs. And we're not really going to talk about that because we know that you've probably heard more than enough of that from the you know all the other news outlets that you get your news from that aren't overthinking it. I, I assume you have one or two. If you don't, then we should talk. Um, that the the other piece, the news piece of news coming out of the Steve Jobs conversation was that he'd revolutionized all these different industries. He'd you know taken on the music uh, the music industry, taken on the, the movie studios, but he hadn't cracked the TV nut, right? You know, the Apple TV was is barely selling units, not selling so great. Um, I selling TV episodes through iTunes hasn't become a big thing. Um, and sort of concurrent to all this, Netflix as a sort of new content distribution method is uh, running into some problems. Right, the studios are starting to squeeze them, uh, both on the movie and TV end, for that matter. And uh, and this is sort of the context, right, that we're talking about Netflix and God forbid, Quickster, also barely legal. We'll talk about that in a second. Huh. Um, yeah, TV is interesting, isn't it? Right. I'm not quite sure. I, I'm not quite sure the niche that it fills, right? Well, no, I am sure the, the, the niche that it fills. That is to say. It pipes content into you. It it just, it gives it to you without. uh, Sorry, you're thinking, you're thinking of, I think we're talking about TV at, at sort of two different levels of abstraction. I mean, I mean, short form entertainment programming. And I guess I do know the niche that it serves. It's the same niche um, that was served by, 
you know, uh, what were they called? Penny dreadfuls, right? Pulp novels or pulp magazines mm-hmm. or film serials like the Buck Rogers film serials or um, there, there is a uh, uh, or, you know, comic books uh, at a certain time. Right. There is a, a hunger for this kind of serialized storytelling. We want to stay with a particular storyteller. Well, we want to stay with two things. And actually, comics maybe illustrates this. Um, uh, best, and I'm the guy. Who <laughs> no, no pun intended. Yeah, right. <laughs> it inks it Sing. and colors it. Um, I'm the guy on overthinking it, probably who's least qualified to talk about uh, what comics uh, do and do not illustrate. But um, comics does or does not illustrate. I mean, I guess it, it depends what you think about the collectivity of that noun. But uh, you know, that's a separate topic for a separate podcast. The there are kind of two things in comics. One is the set of uh, a set of characters that people become invested in, and then the other is um, uh, is what is the uh, the creators, right? People, uh, mm-hmm. there's like a comics auteur, right? And people get invested in the comics auteur. That's why it's like it's important that it's you know I don't know Frank Miller's this or it's uh, Alan Moore's that or and now you've like exhausted. Mark Millar, the Kickass guy. Uh, you've exhausted which my the, knowledge of the name. I only know from reading about him in movie blogs, which again shows my knowledge, my depth of my knowledge or lack thereof in comics, but go on. Yeah. Um, right. And so TV, TV fills, fills that need, you know, last week we talked about, we talked about what happens when, um, uh, when the, the kind of growing informa- amount of information that we can kind of process and compute and understand about our lives um, is at variance with the kind of narratives that we like to construct about our lives. And that, that one of the things that Moneyball does is exploit that, um, exploit that space, uh, right? Exploit the kind of slippage between those two things uh, for dramatic effect. Um, that is to say, it's not, you know, it's not that what's important is that the guy gets on base and that's a number, you know, it's not, uh, it's not important that, um, you know, what his girlfriend looks like that's, you know, aside from being old fashioned and misogynistic and everything, it's just irrelevant. Uh, right. What's more. So, um, Oh, uh, I was going somewhere with this. Oh, but TV seems to be in a similar TV seems to be in a similar situation, right? Like cable TV to me um, seems to be a, uh, a transitional solution uh, to the problem of how you make how you make money doing this stuff because TV is there to get you to sit still during the commercials, right? Right, uh, right. That's that's where the that's where the money comes from, and like the. Um, Oh, someone said something fun about Google uh, on the internet, and I'm I'm sure the uh, the overthinking it audience can find the origin of this quote. I, I can't look it up in the moment, but it's um, you know, if you're not paying money for it, you are the product that's being sold. And they said, that def- it, yeah, that sounds familiar for sure. Yeah, they said it uh, with respect to Google's all of Google's free products for people, right? Um, and uh, and also that Google doesn't have a, uh, a customer service telephone number for like Gmail. Or something. <laughs> Turns out Google has a big customer service uh, phone center in operation. It's for their advertisers. You know, they are the I, customers. They are I mean, the just people a, that Google is serving. A point of detail. I mean, like there's this whole corporate enterprise wing of Google that will sell like Google apps to an entire city government. For example, sure, um, and I'm sure there is there's phone support for that, but we're not really talking about that, right? Yeah, but we're, they, I mean, they pay for that, and I actually I looked into that yeah, for yeah, MatthewRather.com. Yeah. Like, could I run my or also for my my freelancing site, rather creative, or you might do it for Goes to Twelve, right? Your freelancing site, um, mm-hmm. doing doing the whole back end of that with uh, with Google Apps, which would be useful if you ever have to collaborate on uh, on anything with someone. But uh, you know, I I don't know, I never did it. It seemed like giving up too much control over my own. Uh, you know, over my own destiny, though I use Gmail and, you know, just like everyone else does. Um, you're Sorry, the product but- being sold. And it seems to me that, that television is at a weird inflection point where the, um, the, the old business model to support it is, uh, you know, is, is more or less over. And the new one hasn't yet... Um, the new the new one hasn't yet taken shape, and so it's this you know it's this sort of desperate cling. And I suppose there's nothing really, I suppose there's nothing really profound in that, uh, except to say that this is this is a, a contemporary first world world problem, and we have to you know, and it's something that we're going to have to. 
to deal with as creators of content ourselves on overthinking it, you know, who, who want to at least make our efforts self-sustaining. Um, it's something that we, we have to, to deal with. The idea that um, our, our idea of what it takes, right, our idea of what we're doing, or our idea of how we're making money may be at variance with, uh, you know, with the actual facts. So take, take so- cable TV. Oh, sorry, you jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to, to ground us, what we're talking about, the business model crumbling, right? Uh, you're mostly talking about advertising, right? About sort of getting the eyeballs, you know, uh, you know, someone to sit still for the commercials. Yeah, aggreg- right? I mean, but there, aggregating eyeballs for advertisers. Yeah, there is also the more complicating issue of selling the content then to the cable companies who then in turn sell their cable service to you. Um, which doesn't quite fit. It's sort of a different revenue thing going on uh, separate from the advertising, right? But that's also hugely at play here, right? With in terms of, 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 you know, bypassing, buying that cable TV package and just getting your crap from the internet, right? Or are you sort of wrapping them both together in the same thing? I, I mistook you for a, uh, I mistook you for a rebus for a second there. The, um, for, for what? <laughs> for a rebus. For one of those pictures with, uh, <laughs> from one of those pictures with, you know, where, like, I understand. Never mind. Um, you know, so you write stand and then you write the letter I under it and it's like, I understand. Uh, I, 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 I'm not following you. You're, you're speaking in riddles, Matt. Well, Continue. I, I'm offended by, um, I'm offended by cable television, right? Especially ad-supported cable television. I I don't want to pay money for the privilege of being advertised at. You know what I mean? I'm going straight to the torrents uh, for that stuff. For sure. And, you know, this is not a new thing, right? We talked about before, like, the, the ridiculousness of paying, uh, what, $100 a, a month for 400 channels that, of which you're going to watch maybe 20 or 30 of them, 120 right? 120 bucks. Like, 122 was my last cable bill. And admittedly, I have the, uh, the like, super high cable internet package, which, you know, accounts for more than half of that but like come on right and like 10 bucks extra for the dvr who doesn't have a dvr you know uh i mean you know i first world problem i suppose right but we should also clarify right that it's not necessarily that you're paying for a bunch of stuff you're not watching it's that amount right of the hundred something odd dollar thing whereas you look at the netflix streaming thing um what are we paying eight dollars a month for that and sure you know we're paying for um you know a huge catalog of movies that we're not going to see including barely legal um, but that's an acceptable trade-off for us, right? Because of the what the Battlestar Galactica and now uh, Walking Dead, uh, which we are going to watch. Uh, that by itself, like that, watching that, uh, you know, the the eight dollars seems a totally valid exchange for the value of the shows that you do watch. Right, and like what what cable what Netflix didn't have to do that the cable companies do have to do is run a cable to your house. You know that I mean, and Netflix is an interesting case because in in both cases they've they've piggybacked on a uh, you know on sort of a public utility that's available, the postal system in their first business, and the kind of inf- internet infrastructure that uh, that exists now um, in their second business, and like the. You know the idea of the 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 pipe being a dumb pipe is, I think, a, a very powerful one. But unfortunately, one that um, you know the United States uh, the United States business is sort of moving moving away from. You know, mm. I mean, what what would you like to see ultimately? What one thing Steve Jobs, the late great Steve Jobs, said was that uh, that he maintained all the time was people want to own their music, right? Um, and I, I signed up for a subscription music service uh, this year, and I'm never going back. I don't want to own my music. I don't care as long as I can uh, can listen to it. I suppose you're, talk, you're talking about like an RDO or a, yeah, a the one, Rhapsody thing. is the one that I uh, I like the curation of Rhapsody. It just seems very. It seems like there are like experts behind it. You know, like mm-hmm. Adele is listed as Blue Eyed Soul on Rhapsody. You know what I mean? Or like. Uh, uh, the the genre categorization and some of the little blurbs <laughs> they have about the artists and some of the the like the you know the Pandora like um, streaming uh, you know auto streaming you can do it's it's very good yeah. uh, and it's not it's sort of not social I guess in the same way that like what Spotify uh, Spotify is the Spotify was the was the hotness probably because we couldn't have it for so long yeah. right? uh, in um, the states so, anyway so you're asking what is it that I want. 
Um, and there's this question of like a renting versus the stream, the owning versus the yeah, streaming. I mean, do, you, do you want if you could get every you know every TV show with new episodes updated right when you know uh, right when they show up, um, so that you know you could watch the entire you could watch the entirety of Mad Men up to and including the current episode. Uh, it, you know, is that what you want for a service? I want. Um, here's what I want. I want the the I want access to everything, right? But I also want the choice to be able to download it to own or stream it to rent and have it sort of just you know come and pass through my computer. Um, and this is I don't think is too much to ask for. Like technically, all this should be possible. It's just right that the people who control who have the most to lose uh, in their established business business models are deathly afraid of this for whatever reason, right? Right, because if you think of, um, yeah, I mean, if you think of yourself as a ticket taker in a movie theater standing at the gate and, you know, ripping people one by one as they come in to see one movie exactly once, um, you know, this new kind of anything goes mentality has got to be, uh, has got to be terrifying. But, you know, I don't know, we're overthinking it and we're in the world of the internet where people can just rip your, uh, rip your content right off. And, you know, people do. There are content scraper sites that, that scrape our RSS feed. And I did certain things. I did certain things to that. Like I put a footer in our RSS feed so that it, uh, so that at least there are backlinks to overthinking it. So at least the people who are, <laughs> you know what I mean? At least the people who are scraping our RSS feed are at least linking back to us. And we're- Should we be flattered by that? That like, that somebody deems us worthy to scrape? No, it's not. It's such, the marginal cost of scraping another feed is so low that we're, you know. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, so the, the, the scarcity has just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, your your you know, your little sister Susie's live journal has been deemed worthy enough to scrape. You know what I mean? And if it's keyword dense enough, like if she types <laughs> OMG Twilight uh, enough on it, you know, someone's going to put that on a content aggregation. Um, sorry. Uh, the content aggregation site. I mean, look, content aggregation, quote unquote, seems to to pose a much greater threat to the established way of doing business than the the new sort of the new the new business models do. Right? Can, like, can you unpack that? What do you mean by exactly by content a aggregation? Like, a site like Huffington Post, right, is more threatening. Uh, to, uh, that old bugaboo. Yes. Yeah, is more threatening to the New York Times than like. You know, the fact that their website isn't making them a lot of money is because, you know, the website will eventually make you a lot of money. Also, you could just shut down the whole. Um, oh, I heard an interesting little factoid, probably wrong or at least probably very creatively accounted for, which is that if The New York Times bought every subscriber a Kindle DX, you know, they'd mm-hmm. make the and, and shut down the paper delivery business. They'd make their money back in, you know, less than half a dozen years. Wait, from make it back from the people that they from not what, having to run t- a fleet of of trucks and uh, printing presses. Oh, and gotcha. And you know, okay. pay old fashioned blue collar workers to do something so you know banal as print the newspaper. Mm. Um, as print the newspaper so, every day. So I guess that what we're getting at here is um, I have in, in, in my mind this idea that um, things will just work work itself out. If you just sort of open things up and then, you know, the, you know, the content producers and the aggregators and the consumers all sort of reach this price equilibrium, right? Where, um, you know, there are people who are willing to pay for good content will pay for it. And, you know, the, the, the quality people will get paid an adequate amount, all these sorts of things. But I guess what we're getting at here is uh, this, again, the lack of scarcity just sort of throws all these old equations out the window and people are just scrambling and just don't know what to do about it, which is why... And I'm going to finally get to the off the much teased uh, topic uh, uh, from before, uh, which is why when now on Netflix stream and watch instantly, um, for some reason, the softcore porn movie barely legal uh, keeps prominently showing up in the listing of new arrivals. On my homepage, too. It wasn't only on my homepage. It was also uh, prominently displayed on my Apple TV. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's just, there's like carousel of, of new movies that are coming up, and uh, like for a solid week or so, barely legal keeps coming you know, up. On, on the TFT podcast, we we were we spent one summer talking about the British TV show Skins, and oh, I, I remember that podcast. What happened to that podcast? Yeah, that was uh, the podcast. What happened to that podcast? I could use some episodes of that podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to point fingers, but it's Ryan Shealy's <laughs> fault. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm here, baby. I'm podcasting. 
Um, but uh, but we did a uh, we did a summer on the TV show Skins, which is very interesting and, and was a very uh, fertile ground for comparisons with um, Gossip Girl. Uh, <laughs> fertile, <laughs> because they get knocked up, and because it's these effing teenagers. Um, and uh, so we had a listener from England write in, uh, and uh, the um, the show Skins was on uh, E4, which is Channel Four, which it, uh, was the four, you know, the one of the four TV channels in, in Great Britain. Um, it was their like cable offering or their satellite offering, and uh, and he said that um, if if Channel Four is like a torrent of unmitigated dreck. He used a different word from Drek, but, you know, that's the word I'll use right now. Uh, then E4 was like constructing a sluice, right, to funnel a river of Drek into your house. Because, you know, <laughs> what you were getting passively just by paying your licensing fees to the British television authorities, like, wasn't enough. You needed to, like, get cable TV service so that more and more the brown gelatinous river of Drek could be... Uh, could be pumped into your house and and um and anyway i you know i feel like that with netflix a little bit seeing this this uh uh dvd cover that has you know three underwear clad co-eds on the cover and because it's like it's about their 18th birthday these uh these co-eds may be playing 17 year old characters it's uh it's just smut mark it's smut and i won't stand for it being piped into my house uh via netflix right you know, I, I think you and I both accidentally clicked the uh, the play button. So somewhere, somebody just earned a few. My pennies. damn finger is slipping. No, I was trying to click through <laughs> to, see the de- to see the details page. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, just just the details, not to actually watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But no, tie this back to our our discussion about the economics of entertainment. We were saying that what this movie cost them maybe like three million dollars to make, um, and it's totally going to make it back, right? Uh, oh, some, through some combination of this and God only knows what else. Click by little click. And I mean, this was, you know, you, you used to see, or at least I used to see all the time scattered around my local blockbuster uh, when I would go to such a place. Um, I would see these these kind of softcore porn kind of are not softcore. This looks like a slightly raunchier American pie. You know what I mean? This looks like Van Wilder, the unrated edition or something. Like I, that. I don't know. Based, based on that uh, on that user review, which uh, meticulously detailed each instance of, of nudity. And, and sex yeah, in the movie. There's a fairly yeah, long Mr. list of it. Mr. It's a little bit more raunchier than I wanna, yeah. well, Okay, so here's the blurb for Barely Legal, just to get into <laughs> I mean, we offended our girlfriends at the beginning. Let's just, you know, let's just alienate half the world's population. Go for it. Three girlfriends born on the same day are now in their first year of college, and all three of them remain virgins. Ooh. gasp. <clears throat> Thanks. As their 18th birthday approaches, Sue, Cheryl... And Lexi decide that it's time to change their pristine status in this sex comedy. <laughs> now, um, this is the review. Uh, this is the review that was voted most helpful. This is the fine move. And, you know, I mean, apology, you know, overthinking it does not condone the content of this review. But I'm going to read it to you because this kind of thing is out there on the Internet. Um, This is a fine movie about the translation of three young chicks into whores. Here are just the facts. Boobs at 505, 1225, 1826. Five (laughs) pairs of boobs at 2240. Long break till 4036. Then again at 4425. And goes on in this. And details, I mean details every sexual encounter. uh, And every every kind of raunchy comedy set piece. Um... Vacuum cleaner orgasm at fifty nine twenty, which I, you know, I'm very glad to know uh, is is um, you know is in is in this film, right? Like that's that's a creative use of uh, household appliances. Yeah, I applaud that. <laughs> like most of the reviews on this thing are like one out of one member found this review helpful. <laughs> on the, on this review, nine uh, one thousand nine hundred thirty six members. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, out of 1,945, so it's almost a perfect 100, uh, found this review helpful. And I, um, I suppose this review is very helpful if this is the kind of help that you want. You know, It's hard to... Uh, I, I, I think, uh, yes, people are looking for that kind of help. 
Well, and yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> based on those numbers. So to bring us back to our previous conversation, not to, not is to, this like, like degrade the? Not to deg- I feel like I've demeaned us all, really, by by. Uh, by reading this, but like this is so okay. So these things must be in Blockbuster, and they must be keep, keep getting made because they they make money. And honestly, actually, it, you know, if you're asking me to punditize, uh, which you're not, yes. but I'm going to pretend that I'm going to pretend that you did, so that I, can. Uh, I, I, I am Matt. Will you please punditize? Because that's this, what I really need. This is the kind of thing that sort of digital technology makes possible, right? The the sort of uh, not all that great $3 million movie that, that will make its money back through, uh, you know, sort of teen exploitation and like, uh, you know, this kind of thing. I could imagine a horror movie and even there are horror movies made for even less money that do great guns that do hundreds of millions. I mean, it's the, you know, the Blair Witch phenomenon. Um, you know, so so you're saying that basically this is going to, it's a race to the bottom. Like well, with, along with the HuffPo, right? I actually, well, I actually don't think it is. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity because, yes, you know, uh, look, some of the, the some of the first pho- photographs were pornography. I mean, like you know, Google vintage pornography one day, uh, <laughs> not on your own computer, because then like Google will think you're a pervert. But like you know, I don't know, go on your parents' computer or something and Google vintage pornography. And, um, you know, you'll see that, like, in the 19th century, some of the first use- uses of, uh, of photography was, was for pornography. Some of the first uses of home video was for porn. I mean, in fact, like, you know, the argument could be made that VHS won because that's what porn standardized on, right? Uh, we, we heard that argument from a Just a quick aside on that, because I don't think a lot of people know this. I think porn uh, went with the, uh, what do you call it, HD DVD? Or the uh, there was sort of the competitor to Blu-ray, right? In other words, like that time, porn actually picked uh, did not pick the winning horse. Uh, wow. Well, they they have a good track record. They're allowed to make one misstep, right? Like we have e-commerce, or or actually maybe that's a a good indicator that Blu-ray as a standard won't really take on uh, take off because uh, porn didn't deem it worthy enough to begin with. I think discs are dead, baby. But um, like right, like it doesn't seem quaint, like uh, like hauling around a, a piece of plastic that that has your movie on it, porn uh, or otherwise. Yes, but I think this whole conversation is all about is that it's it's not quite as dead as we uh, would we would hope for or want want it to be. Oh right? yeah, I mean I, God, I have no. See, here's my answer, right? If you don't make your movie available to me as a, um, uh, you know, at a reasonable price in a format that, that I have easy access to, I'm going to take my entertainment dollars and go somewhere else. Or, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pirate it, honestly. I mean, hypothetically, if I did that kind of thing, which I don't because it's against the law and I advise that course, you don't uh, also because it's really against hyper. the law. Um, oh, so- so here, let's let's change gears and talk about something here. So, I don't you know think what I mean? Like, I'm more likely to watch Barely Legal, and I am not at all <laughs> likely to watch Barely Legal. But I'm more likely to watch that uh, than a movie that Netflix has on DVD but doesn't have on on instant streaming. You know? So there's this uh, article uh, that I, I caught on Slash Film. I don't, I don't know if what uh, everyone uh, the over OTI versus favorite uh, go to movie news site is, but mine is Slash Film. Um, and, and they were there was an article that was quoting a movie executive saying that what they fear more than piracy is loss of control, loss of their monopolies for uh, for distribution. And what this made me think about as well was this idea that. Uh, um, that that the movies are, uh, you know, sort of theat- theatrical distribution. They're beholden to movie theaters for those big releases. And one of the studios is experimenting with this a little bit uh, by releasing Tower Heist. Have you heard about this, Matt? Um, they're releasing yeah, Tower Heist the, onto the, on demand, yeah. like sixty days after in theaters. It's much faster than the movie typically sure. gets released on demand for like sixty dollars. Yeah, right. And so this is they're they're playing with this distribution model a little bit here. I think playing to what you're talking about, Matt, about this idea that like you know if it's there and if it's convenient, then you know then you'll pay people will pay for it. Otherwise, you're going to go jump for something else. Actually, honestly, if you know if you have two parents and two kids, uh, sixty bucks is a bargain, you know, and you, you yeah. don't have to drive anywhere, right? Like if you hmm? can, if you can make your own popcorn at home and stuff like. That uh, honestly, you can sp- you can spend well north of sixty bucks taking a family to the movies. Um, you can also drink beer and at home at, when you, which you can't do at theaters. At yeah, least most I theaters. Gu- I guess so. We're getting more and more of those where you can in L.A. I mean, I'm sure they're coming to New York too, right? 
It's well, you know, I, the, this is a total tangent here, but liquor licenses are a big problem around that. Oh right, God, your city is so mobbed up. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What are you talking? Uh, forget it. You want to make you want to make something about it? No, I I think that like the fact that that a lot of these movies that you see these kind of direct-to-video movies and actually direct-to-video isn't going to mean anything. Uh, anymore. I mean, certainly in 10 years, it's not going to mean a damn thing because everything is going to be direct to video. Um, I think this opens up a, a, a huge opportunity. And yeah, a lot of it is raunchy exploitation movies or horror films, you know, genre kind of niche, uh, niche marketed movies now, though actually the exploitation of women is, is kind of, that's not a niche. That's, you know, half the economy, right? Uh, the male half, uh, regrettably. But, um, uh, this is going to open, this is not uh, going to be the way, right? Like, uh, video, video became art, right? Uh, photography became art. It all, like, it all opens up avenues for new kinds of stories to be told. And if you can find an audience that's even the size of our audience and overthinking it, and you can get them to pay a couple bucks for your, uh, direct a video movie, you can you can make your money back, you know. And cameras aren't that expensive; they shoot Matt, light pretty well. Matt, are 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 you saying what I think? What I think you're saying? I am glad to announce the founding of Overthinking It Studios, where we will pr- subject movie making to a level <laughs> of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'd never get around to actually making a movie. No, uh, no we're, we're, we're gonna make we're gonna we're gonna make porno movies, right? Yeah, exactly. It's actually yes. <laughs> it's yes. actually and and people will play us pay us not to play them because uh, <laughs> they will they will they will uh star us and not our surprisingly attractive girlfriends and, and what we'll do is, is oh, the, the business model is this we threaten to take our clothes off uh and people will pay us to stop um Gosh, that, that's innovation that's disruption right there <laughs> Pete Jobs would be so proud of us here's to the crazy ones <laughs> I watched that and like let me tell you it got a little dusty in the room right yeah, like yeah. when uh uh Matt wrote a really good sort of eulogy on uh on overthinking it um you know it's sad the guy was really young right yeah for sure um, are we going to go in that direction, or can I talk about Story Boys? No, 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 no. Talk about talk about whatever you want. I mean, the 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 media is full of Steve Jobs. I mean, I have stuff. You know, I I have some meta analysis of that maybe that I'd kind of be interested in doing, but uh, uh, uh but let's not go in that direction. Good. They were so right. mad when we talked about the iPhone. Our audience was so mad when we talked about the, the iPhone. When I think, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we got to talk about the the the, the iPhone 4s. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know what? we're gonna throw away our other topics and devote the rest of the thing to uh, iPhone 4S. Yes. I, I can imagine that the listener right now is like wondering where they're going to go with this. They're going to talk about Steve Jobs. What they're going to talk about the iPhone. Or they're going to talk about or they're going to talk about Sorority Boys. Yes. What's going to be? Let's talk about Sorority it's Boys. It's going to be Sorority Boys. Because another <laughs> another fine Netflix film, right? <laughs> uh, no, I actually watched this on a disc. Ah. Um, but uh, it's, speaking of sort of low-grade entertainment, right? Um, no, this is one of the few things that I actually got around to watching this weekend. Um, you know, we, 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 I'm sorry, we didn't fulfill our duty. We didn't go see the Ides of March or Real Steel. Actually, Belinky saw Real Steel, but he's not on the podcast. Belinky should be on the podcast. Um, so what I wound up watching was Sorority Boys. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Sorority Boys, it's exactly what you think it is. College boys, college uh, men. And that's not college men. College boys dress up as women and infiltrate a sorority. Hijinks ensue um it's a 2002 movie uh it's got a solid 5.1 on imdb um but what, what i want to talk about it is uh, and without getting into too many details of this that's spoiling it because really there's some shocking twists at the end is this idea of uh of, of a comedy that um that it, it's but was recommended to me by a friend who really enjoyed this unironically i think the, the the tricky thing though is that she watched it uh, uh, first saw it in the middle of a snowstorm and, and was like really literally snowed in and uh, over the course of uh, like five days being stranded uh, in a snowed in house in Ohio watched it, this movie about five times so she really likes this movie and on her recommendation 
I saw it, and and this is one of those things that goes back to as well, like you know how overthinking it changes you, and how you know this makes you more critical of a movie viewer and that sort of thing. And I'm watching this, and I'm definitely watching this, and I'm thinking like, you know, is this movie? so bad and so stupid and they realize that it's so bad and so stupid and they're sort of playing on that or is it just sort of a, a lazily sloppily made movie uh, you can probably guess it was more along the lines of the latter mm. so let me give you this one example here and i, I think here's what i want to do with this so i want to put this out there and, and matt see what your reaction is and sort of like what are other ways they could have gone about doing this okay okay so um to skip a lot of the details there's this party on a boat that the sorority on a boat, uh, on a boat they're yes on a boat? Uh, yes they're on a boat look at them they're on a mu- never mind go on <laughs> um i'm at sea world something it's as real as it gets no it's not sea world this is as real as it gets real as it gets uh that was two years ago um sorority boys they're the, the sorority that they're in which is cleverly uh delta omicron gamma the dog fraternity yes um they are trying to get on the party is part of the boat and yet the evil of sorority of like the the uh, superficial chicks uh they manage to get onto the boat and they're very upset about this and then one of the sorority boys says wait a minute i have a plan so at that point matt what do you think is going to happen Hijinks ensue, right? Uh, well, what kind of hijinks? Yeah, I mean, surely hijinks are going to ensue. Um, uh, do they involve cross-dressing? I mean, that's that's the, that's a premise of the movie for the whole time. So, oh, like, sorry. that's already okay. they've already been they've been cross-dressed for a, a, a whole time. Uh, they're going to realize that they have been gender dysmorphic all along, or gender dysphoric <laughs> all along, and uh, actually really want to live the rest of their lives as women. <laughs> that would be pretty great if that if that actually ended that way. No, so what winds up happening is the plan. Here's what happens: with the plan is they somehow get another boat. It's not explained at all how they got this boat. There's nothing you know interesting or funny about how they get it. There's nothing from previous in the movie which enabled them to get the boat. And they take the boat out, and then they. Uh, it doesn't even show them like pulling up to the big party boat. Or them getting onto the boat, all you see are like a hand coming out from off screen, on screen, and then like grabbing the uh, the evil sorority girls by the mouth and then like pulling them off screen. That's sort of like shoop, shoop, shoop. And next thing you know, they're all gone. And then cut to showing all those, the evil sorority girls, um, like on a raft, which is conveniently large enough to hold all of them. That's the plan. That's that's like not only is that bad storytelling, it's disturbing on a number of levels, right? Like the the uh, connotations of of uh, kidnapping and like you know the prevalence of the sad prevalence of sexual assault on college campuses. It's really yeah, uh, to be fair, it was the other sorority girls slash and slash boys who were doing the kidnapping. Ah. Um, but yeah, they were they were uh, they were kidnapped, right? And then at the end of the movie, it shows they're still stranded at sea as well. Well, uh, maybe they could, I don't know, eat one another or something like that. Or be eaten by sharks. Or be eaten by sharks. So this moment here, right, is, you know, and this goes back to what we talk about a lot in in movies, Matt, or at least what you always point out, which is that rarely, almost never, do you see a movie uh, that has mistakes sort of on a technical level. Yeah. Right? Well, I did, uh, I did point that out last week, I think, right? Yep. And, and so I just wanted to, to extend this over to the realm of sort of the storytelling. You could almost call it a technical mistake, right? I mean, this is like, you know, so poorly manufactured that I almost want to call it sort of extreme writing technical mistake that nobody sort of like, uh, you know, tried to do anything approaching the level of clever that one would typically associate with a comedy. Right. So this movie being out in 2002, um, and I, I, I think this was a, a major studio release. Uh, this was not sort of a, a direct-to-video type of thing. Um, and so the question that I'm, I'm putting out there is, uh, how common is this sort of thing? And is this the sort of thing that, uh, as, uh, as, as, as time progresses, becomes less common? Or we'll just like find a way to exist. Like the plan will be and still be an incredibly bad plan. You'll always have one of those in these uh, in these low run comedies. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I I had not 
I think I had heard of this movie before. You know, I don't know. I think things, you know, worthy things rise to the top. Um, and I, look, the, the the point of an point of of saying things are exceptional is that there there are exceptions, right, to the rule. And the rule is that the rule is that things are bad pretty much. Right? <laughs> I mean, I sorry, I don't mean to be pessimistic about it or to to crap on anyone's hard work. But um, what, you know, when I talked when I talked about the technical, uh, the technical, I don't know. I think that the technical side of a lot of the entertainment industries is a lot better than the uh, uh, than the creative side. Though, though, to be honest, like all, all you have to do is to not make the camera shake is to not bump the camera. Good, good storytelling is is sort of an eternal mystery, right? And not even good storytelling, but storytelling that's like that's trying. Competent, yeah, competent. That's, that's trying. That's trying to. That's trying to be good. Um, you know what I can say about that is that there were probably there were probably a number of versions of that written and maybe even shot. You know, and and when you know right, and when they realized that like I don't know, you could the the wig was coming off, the cross dressing wig was coming off in in one of them, like. They couldn't use that shot and had to compromise with this. There's so much. I mean, if you've ever made anything, if you've ever done any sort of form of entertainment, uh, you realize there's so much compromise embedded at every step of the process that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's a miracle that things, things get done at all. And when things are done well, um, it's, like, it's like a gift from the gods. Mm. Right? Yeah. So the other thing that's coming to mind as well as I'm talking about this is – um, I was like kind of really hoping for uh, this movie to start winking at the audience uh, to show some level of self-awareness. So like, yes, this plan is incredibly stupid. The entire, yes, the entire premise that these, uh, that these guys are going to make it through the entire movie without being recognized for what they are. Uh, you know, that, that all of this is patently ridiculous and that the movie is just going to sort of, you know, own up to that and just wink and, you know, have the audience along for the ride. It doesn't do that. And and this is total speculation, but this is could be one of those things where um, they didn't set out to do that. And sort of maybe like, you know, along the way, only then did they realize that this movie wasn't quite living up to, uh, uh, to, to higher expectations. And by that point, it's sort of too late to go back in and add you can't add those sort of like you know huge winks to the audience without playing for them in advance you know mark this is probably not the sort of thing i should admit on the internet but uh i went to to high school once as a girl just as a surprise i (laughs) i cross-dressed i like i like i went i went in drag and the idea was not to be ostentatious or showy the i my, my idea was i wonder I wonder if I could actually do it, right? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if people I know could not recognize me. And indeed, wow. people did not. I, uh, t- the teachers would come up to me uh, as I sat in my desk, which was my normal desk, right? And say, I'm sorry, I didn't know we had a guest in class today. Uh, hello, I'm Mr. So-and-so, you know? And like, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and then I, w- I would talk and my, my low voice would clue everyone in that, it, you know what I mean, that it was my voice. But like, it actually is possible. It's not, you know, it's not as hard as you think. You, you change a few little cues and that, uh, you know, that sort of limbic brain or whatever. Tim Swan can tell me what, uh, what exactly part of the brain it is. But that sort of that kind of pre-conscious area, like just click, 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 starts making its assumptions. And, well, um, you know, uh, and everyone assumes you're uh, so Matt, you, you for a while there. I thought you were going to pull like the, perhaps one of the greatest. Well, actually's on this podcast. It doesn't say, well, actually, you know, you a, a guy can, you know, uh, be amongst people that know him very well as cross dress and just sort of fool everybody. Well, except 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 when you got to the point where you said that as soon as your mouth opened, yeah, people you keep your mouth shut. You can really you can really except that. that these except not only do these do these guys not keep their mouth shut through the whole movie, they're they're talking like this through the whole movie, and everybody thinks that that's you know a girl's voice. Maybe we should do um, the rest of the podcast like this. I think we should. Then people think that you know there are actually women on the podcast. Our sororities. I mean, I think that- so, so not only that, right, but like they're given a room together and like as soon as the door closes, they're like, what's going on, man? What is this? I don't like this crap. I don't like dressing up like a girl. Um, uh, you know, totally oblivious to the fact that, well, you know, um, 
in any college uh, living situation, be it dormitory or a sorority house, uh, it's dense enough so that, you know, you can kind of hear through walls and, and, and doors and things like that. Right. Also, I mean, in, you know, aren't there lots of webcams in sororities or is that just something the Internet has led me to expect? Uh, yes, there are lots of webcams. It's terrible. All this sorority this, sorority <laughs> uh, that um, stuff in movies is so – it's so exploitative. It's so misogynistic. I, maybe I'm so, on this – I mean I feel like I've been, I've been kind of uh, you know, beating this drum for the whole, for the whole podcast. But it, I, I saw a video that's been going around uh, uh, on Facebook about media images of, of women, which is where I got the, the statistic that the average uh, – teenager watches you know 10 hours and change of uh or consumes 10 hours and change of media and that you know what they're being what they're being presented with during these formative years are you know less than admirable um depictions of of women on on all on all levels and uh you know maybe that's why i'm i'm beating but like the one honestly the one that i thought was um that I ever thought was any good uh, was um, the House Bunny, you know, with Anna Harris. Huh. Because uh. it, it was actually kind of about a, a, a community of women coming to terms with one another. And uh, I don't know, it was maybe this is just the haze, the golden haze of memory, but it strikes me as a little less raunchy, a little less sort of exploitative in its, uh, in its use of the camera. Uh, hmm. Anna Ferris, really good, really good comedienne who has not yet found material that's worthy of her, I think. Yeah, speaking of what showed her, her new movie, either recently released or soon to be released, recently released it, yeah. uh, is very much about what was it? What's your number? Yeah. It's very much about this like question of you know the uh, of what the perceived promiscuity for women right and uh, this is double standard that you know it's shameful for women to have too many sexual partners. Well, this is uh, yeah. I mean, this is funny. This is like this is something that's um, this is something that's working itself out in the culture, right? Like Pete Pete has talked before, and I you know I'll give him credit, and because uh, I don't want to just blatantly rip him off, but but he's talked before about the kind of um, female workplace comedy, right? And 30 Rock or Parks and Recreation or, or, or you know, The Office or things like this. Um, the role of women in these shows. 30 Rock, you know, Damages with, uh, with um, Glenn Close is, is another one. I mean, Glenn Close is not actually, you know, if you're doing gender studies on film, Glenn Close is not an unimportant figure. Um, so, right, like, this is, this is a reality. This is a demographic reality of the world uh, you know that uh, more women are getting higher education, right? More women are getting advanced credentials. There are more women in the workplace. There are going to be more women in management positions, uh, in executive positions, um, and that this is something that we we don't really have. We don't really have a literate that we haven't come to terms with in terms of our the stories that we tell about ourselves. You know, it's mm. the case, it's a case with the demography. The demography, uh, the the narrative has not kept pace with the demography, and and. You know, this is interesting, right? This is the, the this is the kind of the the sort of most interesting area for for storytelling because it's sort of uncharted territory, right? Um, it, it's sort of uncharted territory, and I you know, I think that like I think that the all the sorority comedies are probably reactionary. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like, which is to say. Um, what are the oh, what are the women doing in college when when we the you know the male filmmakers and the kind of male film companies are are afraid that they are uh you know eclipsing us economically though mm. you know not what seventy cents mm. on the dollar um, the uh, so, they're they're oh they're just doing each other's hair and like getting in hot shorts and having pillow fights and you know and we could pass we could be women just as well as they could you know what I mean we can do this uh like, uh, whereas, like, to, to borrow a line from Aaron Sorkin, like, if men tried to be women, they would faint at the first sonogram. <laughs> oh, Aaron Sorkin. Always got the right thing to say at the right times. So I, I will, I, I should add, uh, give a little bit of credit to Sorority Boys. It's not totally exploitative in that manner, right? Where they're, like, going there for, like, you know, and it's all pillow, pillow fights in lingerie, right? But actually, like, there's a, uh, a 
totally present, you know, message in there about, um, you know, treatment of women on college campuses and all sorts of things. And it doesn't go quite as far to, you know, to the point of, of like, you know, a hard hitting expose on date rape uh, on campus, that sort of thing. But it, you know, it, uh, it, it, it doesn't cast like the, the misogynistic for, uh, fraternity boys in, in a, in a good light and doesn't totally, uh, you know, objectify and exploit, uh, the female characters in it either. Yeah, it's well, right, exactly. I mean, I think sort of too too often, two things happen in movies that that sort of piss me off. Movies of this type. One is that the characters are let off the hook, right? Like something that is oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah disturbing totally. happens. It's like oh well. Um, the other thing is that, and it's I guess a, a special case of the first, is that nobody pays a price for for anything. You know, in in the style of a sitcom, everything goes back to normal. Uh, everything kind of reverts to the norm rather than like um, rather than uh, did you see were you the one who sent around to the OTI writers that article about community um, I don't think so, but there was a Wired uh, article. I, I, I think it was Wired. Yeah, Wired that we read on Wired.com uh, about uh, the TV show Community and its creator Dan Harmon, who uh, that he, and he has a formula for for storytelling that is sort of it's kind of modeled on the hero's journey, where you know someone receives a uh, you know someone's in a situation, but they're dissatisfied with it and they're they're motivated to change it and they struggle and they fail and then they succeed and they kind of return to the situation, but they've paid a price. The situation mm-hmm. has changed, and they've paid a price for uh, for what they've done. And like the you know the thing in 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 movies like this is when and it's not even about learning a lesson. You know what I mean? It's about it's about paying a price. You know, at the end of seven, well, I guess his wife is dead, but like you, you get the sense that I, let's actually not even take Brad Pitt's character. Let's take Morgan Freeman's character. At the end of seven, you get a sense that Morgan Freeman has paid a price, right? For mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though he is, you know, it's not his, his wife isn't Gwyneth Paltrow who gets her head in a box, um, you know, who gets fridge stuffed at the end, I guess, right? Like, uh, even, even so, you, you get the sense through the acting and kind of through the way those, those last couple scenes are constructed in the writing, um, you get the sense that he's gone through something that it's taken a piece of him and, and, uh, and he's paid a price for it. And like, if he were like, oh, well, you know, God, that was a tough case. On to my next case. You know, that, that um, it would be a much lesser movie, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, so I remember the article because I did send it, actually, but I didn't actually get the chance to read it. Um, how does that square with community, then? Community is, uh, I think community is just a super... Uh, a super television show and not just because they, you know, those writers and that sensibility is like right at home with overthinking it with the pop culture savant, uh, stuff and all the, the kind of self-consciousness about the, uh, you know, about the narrative and kind of meta meta narrative of the show. Um, it's, it's, it's because of that, like, like people pay, people pay a price for things. And, and the one who uh, seems to pay a price more than, than anyone else is, is poor Chevy Chase, right? Like, like that character is pathetic, not in, not in the sort of vulgar sense of being sort of uh, a loser, but in the sense of arousing pity, you know? Um, hmm. uh, it's, I, I don't know. I, it's really, I, I, mean, I, 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 I hear what you're, what you're, what you're saying, but I mean, there's a limited extent that a, a a comedy, even a very edgy and self-aware one like Community, can can take this sort of uh, what uh, you know, paying the price thing, right? I mean, Pierce, uh, he's been to the hospital. Uh, he's you know, all these bad things have happened to him. But he's been totally ostracized by the group, and yet sort of not totally ostracized ostracized by the group. He's still there, right? I mean, like he hasn't like uh, you know gone and totally depressive or like dropped out or anything like that, right? Yeah, no, I, su- I mean, I suppose, but that's, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess you have to make a concession to the fact that you have to have another episode. And you don't want to get rid of Chevy Chase because he's... No, you don't want to do that. Oh, no. good. Um, hey, you know who should drop out, Mark? Uh, uh, who, uh, what, us? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Amazing. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> it took a whole hour. We, we, I hope we provided you with a solid hour of, of uh, audio entertainment. Uh, it's been an interesting, a really interesting conversation for both of us. We hope for you, too, and we hope you'll want to join the conversation. The place that you can do that um, is uh, by emailing podcastedoverthinkingit.com, by calling or texting 203-285-6401, or... 
more importantly than that, come to the show notes uh, on the website and leave a comment there because the discussions are always very, very good. The discussions among the listeners. Um, last week, we asked you to uh, rate the show. Uh, not on our our notional um, five star rating uh, per episode that we could do, so that we could graph uh, you know podcaster per you know we could graph podcaster against podcaster in a you know epic podcast off to the death, but um, <laughs> more because we. Uh, um, uh, but to rate us on iTunes, but so where we uh, where we surface more in the rankings, if you yeah. uh, you, you know that thing that Steve Jobs invented, yeah, t- <laughs> that thanks, Steve, you've given us a platform to reach you know dozens, literally dozens of people. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, if you go on iTunes to the Overthinking It uh, show page and uh, rate us, if you like us, if you don't like us, uh, feel free to keep your opinion to yourself. I asked you to do that last week. This week, uh, I'd like to ask you to do something else. Uh, would you share this show with a friend? I mean, maybe not this episode. You know, I'm sure you have a favorite that isn't this one. Uh, but maybe a favorite episode. Maybe the the uh, iTunes page. Maybe send someone to to the show notes and see what a great audience we have, and they can join in the discussion and listen to the show. I think last week's was pretty good. Uh, the one on Moneyball. Um, you know, uh, would you do that? Can you share it with a friend? We're trying to uh, we're trying to grow this audience. It's a little difficult. Um, yep. And just to be clear, when Matt jokes and says there's like the audiences of dozens, that's we've got that's larger than that for sure. Substantially more than dozens. Uh, listen to this, but uh, not as not as many, not not as big as we would like it to be. Yeah, not as big as we not as big as we'd like it to be. No, yeah, I mean, no, our audience numbers in thousands, and that's and that's amazing, and we're glad for each and every one of you, and we wish you would write us more because we read all your emails, even if we don't read them yeah. on the air. We are in awe of our thousands, and yet we desire more and, and you know, we desire to expand the empire. And you know, uh, the, uh, honestly, the more people we do. The more people we get, the more chance we have of attracting advertisers and the more we can do with the show, you know, just just with business like, um, well, we can add CGI. I, we can add CGI effects. Right. To the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Jar Jar. We can we, we can do it so that Mark shoots first and not me. Um, <laughs> no. Is going to die? Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast going to die if we don't stop it soon. Uh, but we, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go into exactly what it is, but we, we have some ideas that we think would be pretty cool, but they require a little money like everything else in this, in this uh, uh, gosh forsaken world. So, uh, you know, do us a favor. Visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. Got some women on this podcast. There are days that just make me appreciate Fenzel. <laughs> this is one of them. <laughs>